Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Newark United Pentecostal Church's digital campus and another Friday night with friends. Tonight, we have a very special guest with us. It is actually my Aunt Janet. Uh, so if everybody can come off of mute, turn on your cameras and all that, uh, I'll just run through a little bit of intro of who she is. If uh, any of you are new to Newark and don't know who she is, uh, Aunt Janet has been coming and going to Newark for uh, a while now, but she got her Bachelor's of Science in 1984 from Michigan State University, then worked for uh, community mental health for 13 years. She has received her Master's in Counseling Psychology from Western Michigan, which is actually where my grandfather, her father, uh, went to get his bachelor's and then she went into private practice that same year and then in 2005 for Michigan State she got her PhD. She has been in 20, she has been in private practice for 22 years and has been in Texas since 2007. And uh, if you have been in Newark for a couple decades now I suppose it would be, you might remember uh, she actually came I think it was about 10 years ago, uh, she came to Newark for our family weekends, which was a series of kind of lectures, seminars, talks about, you know, marriage and kids and all sorts of stuff. So Aunt Janet is here tonight to talk to us about the psychology of this quarantine lifestyle that we find ourselves in. So Aunt Janet, say hi, I suppose. Hi. Thank you for inviting me. It was, you know, probably if anybody else would have asked, I'd say, no, I'm really, really busy. I don't have time. But since it was you, Caleb, there's no way I'd ever say no. Oh, so, so if dad had asked you, you would have said, nah, forget you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, come on, bro. Don't you have other people? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I feel, I feel privileged that you asked. Well, it was special coming from you. I don't really know how to respond to that, but okay. I know, see, because you're the little kid that grew up and I'm like, yeah, Aw. well, well, growing up, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yes. Well, you ought to feel privileged. I'm glad then, Caleb, that you took the initiative to ask your aunt to be on because <laughs> we're glad to have you here tonight, Janet. It's Thank great. you. I know Caleb said 10 years. I'm terrible with keeping track of time. It seems like it was longer than that, but, but maybe not. I know it was a while ago. I think it, it was, was actually, I think it was actually a little less, a little a little less than 10 years ago because oh. I remember that me and Vincent were just allowed to be in there maturity wise. And I was like 12, that would, that benchmark would have been mm. like 12 years and mm -hmm. I'm currently 20. So. Okay. Good. Put something with it. Well, that's great. So we did ask Janet to be here to talk about COVID, but we're going to, we're going to back it up. We're going to come forward to COVID because I know Janet has a great story and I've heard bits and pieces of it. So we're going to start with, you know, kind of go back some and then we'll work our way forward uh, to COVID. And so, um, why don't we start there? Why don't we, Jen, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and in particular how you came to the Lord? I know there's a whole story around that. You tell as much or as little as you like. That's a good place to start. Well, with dad getting in church when I was a child, I was exposed um, as a young child, probably seven, eight, nine. Mm. And then, um, then didn't have that experience again. <laughs> There was separation, moving distance, uh -huh. you know, didn't grow up with him. So it, um, when I was 25, I visited on a friends and family day. A co-worker had invited me and I went and then, I mean, God just really moved on me. And I, it, I didn't get in for a little while, but there were many times that 
things were bad and I would just go and drive and drive by that church and think I need to go. I need to go, but it took me a while. And so I, I did, um, actually that was when I was 24. And then, so when I was 25, I was filled with the Holy ghost in July. Samantha was only two. I was going through a divorce, um, lots of stuff, but then Mm -hmm. it just, it stayed very solid since then. Wow. so 10 years there, the next year I went to general conference and Stephen was quizzing and he was just, uh, he is 11 years younger than me. So he would have been, if I was 26, he would have been 15. Um, but he was quizzing and I love that. I thought, oh my goodness, there's something at church that really stimulates and challenges your brain. And so I went back and said, can I do this? And so I've been, I, this year is my 30th year in Bible quizzing. So I like 30? that more than like 22 years, 30 years. I had two years off. One what? year when I moved here and another year, it wasn't even when I had Sarah, I still quizzed and coached. I mean, when I was pregnant, delivering all that, but I had another year where um, my internship mm-hmm. at, when I was finishing that with my PhD that I did not coach, but oh other than God. that, it's- West, So you, you hit the ground running, huh? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you, you said the church. Now, I know a lot of people here uh, don't know. We have lots of new members, which is a good thing. So not all don't know your backstory. So when you say you went to church, that was obviously in Michigan? Yes, in Grand Lunch. Yeah. So I was at that church 10 years. Then I switched. I was at the Lansing Church, Apostolic Bible Church, where my husband, you know, we got together and uh-huh, uh-huh. been married almost 22 years now. So. Okay. All so, kind of lines up. And then was there 10 years. And then I moved here. And at 10 years, because I've been here 13, I kept saying, you know, I only go to church, uh, one church for 10 years. And I got to switch. I haven't. My teeth are gone. Huh? 10 years, you know. And you move on. <laughs> I'm glad uh-uh. you haven't done that, Lil. <laughs> no. And that, that, that's the miracle of my story, because I am a spontaneous all over the, pers- all over the place person. So I always say that the fact that I've come to came to Newark and I'm here and I haven't moved, that is a miracle in and of, in and of itself because I am all over the place normally. So yeah, now I'm just a creature of habit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I can may- attest that's that's not completely true, but we're we're getting there. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock you out of your block of <laughs> your little Brady Bunch square. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Just kick me from the call. Yeah. So, so you mentioned coming into the church in, uh, in Michigan and, you know, not till you were 24, 25 years old. And, and right. when you came, what was that transition like for you? Like coming into the church and, you know, wh- you know, that, ex- you know, I know every church has a different personality. Well, I, I thought think. y'all were crazy. You know? <laughs> Everybody else, like, uh, I went as a child, but I don't remember all this. You were crazy. <laughs> Oh, I observed for quite a while. It was like, huh? But I, but I kept observing, and it, uh-huh. and it was genuine, and that that was the big thing. It's uh-huh. just watching people and finding that that genuine relationship we got, not perfection by uh-huh. any means, right? Because uh-huh. people are not that, but it's but just genuine and having that relationship and wanting to have that and that it was real. And, mm-hmm. you know, as far as watching people get the Holy Ghost and watching that process. And because my opinion was that 
people that were religious, it, it was a crutch, it, you know, and I was okay with them having that. It was a way for them to survive and get through life and life mm-hmm. is tough. And if you need to really, you know, rely on this fictional God, then, then go for it. So that's kind of where I was coming from because uh-huh. at, at uh-huh. nine, like I said, going to church and then, and then losing my dad as part of my life, it was, uh-huh. you know, if there is a God and that's what God does, uh-huh. what do I need God for? Uh-huh. And so my friends, when I told them I was going to church, they're all like, what? We didn't think you believed in God. You know, we're just, they were just all shocked. And so uh-huh. it was a big transition. I was definitely in the world uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and initially talking and stuff. It was hard because my language trying to change that uh-huh. I would start sentences and have to stop and go next word. Nope. Next word. No nope, next word <laughs> to, to get a word that, you know, uh-huh. wasn't, wasn't crude or rude or, mm-hmm. and so it, it was a huge process in that oh, whole, wow. you know, I told people at church or at, at work when I was had started going to church, I said, well, if I walk in here with a skirt, you're going to know. <laughs> so, you, you're going to know that's it. So, so when I did, they're just like, and it was so f- cool to, um, like Kayla said, I, I worked at community mental health for 13 years mm-hmm. and probably 12 of those years was with um, a lady named Jean. And after I got in church, then Jean shared with me that she was raised Southern Baptist, had a lot of the same, you know, basic mm-hmm. standards, you know, just kind of beliefs and stuff. And so she and I worked directly together with it, with a team of uh, clients and, she stopped cutting her hair and she started wearing skirts. And it was like, so oh. that was us. That was our group. And Isn't that something? It, it was very nice. I mean, it was, it was yeah. very respectful. So I didn't have that, that pushback, like at work of, uh-huh. but yeah. no, it was, it was a process. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely yeah. a process. I kept yeah. learning. I know after I'd been in church for probably three or four months, and, and the guy that had invited me to go to church, we'd gone out for dinner and I ordered a glass of wine mm-hmm. and he got so upset and I'd already gotten the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, she used to wine. What is wrong? We're not even, we can't even drink wine. What's up with this? So he didn't, he wasn't like, I could tell he was upset, but he didn't like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. So it, was a, it was like I said, a process learning and. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Hey, you know, I can't. I like the simpler life. That's why I tell people all the time. It's so simple. I really like the simple life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, It's it's much easier to just be yourself, just to be real and you know and and, right. mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever, whatever that means, just to to be yourself, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you know, I came into church about 25 as well. And I agree. I thought I thought these folks were nuts. Your right. dad included, right? I know. <laughs> no, hey, but you're right. You 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 hang around. You keep observing, and you learn these people are normal. You know, I mean, these they, they, and that they've truly got a hold of something um, that is special in that spirit. You know, for me, when I came to Newark, I had that same. I'm looking around like these people are crazy. They're speaking in tongues and all this outward worship, and and uh, but I could not deny the presence that I felt there, right? And, and all the love that I felt there. That is what kept, kept kept me coming back. So I, I, I well, get I'm that. impressed because I even had told my dad, I said, you know, 
I think if I'd come in your church, I might not have stayed because you're so intense. And so <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> and hey, you know, he's one of my favorite people. Right? <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, Steve guides, is yeah, he guides us and directs us and yeah, absolutely. He knows. He he knows what right. we need. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You made a comment that made me think about uh, Wednesday night broadcast. Um, we were talking about, you know, trials that we face as Christians and that kind of thing. And, and somebody was talking about, you know, when you go, you know, when you go into the workplace, you know, things, you, the, the, the circumstances that we have to go to that are not comfortable and that you know, people that, and you just mentioned coming to work and you having a positive impact on your workplace, as opposed right. to your, the people in your workplace having a negative impact on you, you know, that we can bring light in and actually affect other people. Um, not just, you know, be takers of all the stuff that comes our way. So I just wanted to bring when I was in. working, we were working with um, pretty profoundly um, developmentally disabled adults. And so there was these two ladies that I, I'm sure they were raised in church. They were they were African-American and they were just I mean, they could they talk the talk. They you know, they just but they came to me once and I'd probably been going to church a couple of years. Um, but they um I was a clinician and, and they were a lower level and, mm -hmm. but they came to me and they said that they thought one of our clients was demon possessed and wanted me to, to go pray with him. Okay. And so that was just a very different experience. And I, you know, their, the clients weren't their own guardians. And so going to my supervisor and asking permission, like, what do I have to do in order to pray with this guy in such a way of if he is demon possessed, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. and, well, what and, steps do and I have I'm... to take here, paperwork wise, to be able to perform an exorcism? <laughs> Which document is that? <laughs> but she didn't think I was crazy. That was the cool thing, is she was just very respectful and told me what to do and stuff, and which I'm like, yeah, I can't do all that. Um, but. Huh because he he, he had um, the courts were his his um guardian guardians and mm -hmm. so yeah to i'd have to petition the courts and i don't oh. know that they would have been as understanding <laughs> yeah. but then i know my dad was visiting a couple weeks after that and i'm like hey dad we're just gonna wander into this other room and you can just pray without like putting hands on but mm -hmm. you know we're just gonna do it this way <laughs> And, and I still remember going and asking my supervisor. It's sitting there, and I was like <laughs> wondering what her response was going, was going to be. <laughs> well, at least you had the courage to go and do it, to even ask. Yeah, because well, I, I do think that's I have run into some clients where where I have I, no, I would not call it exorcism, but I have definitely prayed because uh -huh. there there can be some crossover there. Mm. Of, of not knowing. Mm. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later. That's that's a that's that's actually a very good point that you. I'm sure somebody on the broadcast will pose something like that as we get to the the question and answer session. That's good. So you brought up your profession. You brought up the fact that you are a let me let me say it correctly a counseling psychologist. Right. Correct. Uh, so Janet and I were talking before the broadcast, and, and she made that clarification. So. First of all, tell us how you got interested in the field of psychology. Like what, what led you in that direction and what did you hope to do with that, that degree experience? Well, this is on a, in a, 
My answer isn't really deep. I had a really good psychology teacher in high school. Uh-huh. And that's basically it. And I got, I did two years of, of undergrad and they made me pick a major. And I went, accounting, psychology. <laughs> easy pick, easy pick. It could be boring. Let's go with psychology. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And wow. that's what I did. Isn't that something? Now, now that you're actually in the field, do you feel like that's where God led you? Oh, definitely. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, and that's where, you know, in working at Community Mental Health, I learned, I grew up and I learned a whole lot. I had a lot of interaction. When you're dealing with people that are functioning, you know, at six months of age, two years of age, that are full adults, mm-hmm. but learning that respect of person, mm-hmm. um, that no matter what, and, and that helps across the field, I think. I think because my practice, I am a counselor who is a Christian. I, I don't violate my beliefs, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but I see people from all walks of life. And so whether it's, you know, a lesbian couple or, um, uh-huh. you know, I- anything, it's just, they could be Muslim, Jewish, um, atheist, it is what I think I really learned was that respect a person and that mm-hmm. there is, there's value mm-hmm. um, to not, to not just see the outer part. Mm. And so that 13 years, it allowed me to grow up. It allowed me to, you know, learn a whole lot and then, mm-hmm. and then grow as far as I got in church at 25. I started working there at 23. And so um, hmm. those years, letting me get solid as far as in church and learn is when I came in, I knew, I knew there was someone named um, Moses. I know there was an ark. I didn't know if the two of them went together or not. Um, um, It was just one of those things. I didn't know anything. I did know Acts 2 to 38 because I'd learned that in Sunday school. um, I had gone with my dad. Uh And so I knew that, but that's all I knew. And so it was really learning a whole lot. And then, I did go back. My dad and my sister um, planned this intervention and they had me come down to Texas and dad flew here and they ganged up on me and said, you're going back to school. Now I had a job where, where I worked. Most of the people already had master's degrees. I, uh, and, and that's where I, I can say God's hand was in it. I, I had a bachelor's. I had studied working with development, deleted, labeled, disabled adults. I didn't know anything in that area. Um, I went in as a sub because I just had Samantha. She was six weeks old. I started working there as a sub and was there six months um, doing that. They, they put me in working 40 hours a week, almost immediately, all the time. And then they came in and they said, you know, we want to hire you. And, and I did have a bachelor's and almost everybody else in the position they put me had a master's. It, and, and I am uh, assertive enough that I said, okay, it's union up there mm-hmm. and, and you have steps. And I said, all mm-hmm. right, well, but I've been here six months. So I don't want to come in at step one. And obviously you want me. So I, I would like step three. And <laughs> they said, okay. And then, and so I got hired in at step three, which, which, yeah, I had a friend there that had been there three years. So I was making what she was that irritated her. Um, uh-huh. But it was, you know, some of that of, I, I do see that that was working that way. So they had this intervention and said, you need to get your master's. I'm like, you know, I, I'm a single mom. 
it, it makes no sense for me to work and then go to school at night to make exactly the same money, to go in debt and make the same money that I am making. Mm-hmm. And so they stepped up and, and, and covered. Um, they're like, we're going to cover your expenses for you to go back to school so you don't have the debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, paid my house payment and other bills and gave me some money to live on. I'm like, I'm not taking it. I, I wasn't that way. I moved out at 17. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I take care of me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't rely on other people. And, and that really, it, 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 and dad was hard on me. And that's what I'm saying. He's intense. Yes. You know, it was, this is pride. You're like pride and, and just really beat me up on that. Mm-hmm. And, and I had to agree that it was pride. Mm-hmm. It, it was being hurt in the past and not being able to trust people yeah. that are like, no, I don't want to be indebted. I don't want to owe anybody. Mm-hmm. And so, but them getting up on me, I did. I went, and so I agreed to do that, but I'm like, uh, how am I going to do this quick? So I did it. I just doubled up in classes mm-hmm. and that and, and did it a year and a half. And then, and then, um, oh my goodness, it, it's funny because how it can look to the outside, but mm-hmm. I had told, I just took a sabbatical one year sabbatical from work. Cause I'm like, I'm not quitting my job. I, I have to have my job. I'm a single mom. Mm-hmm. And so it was, uh, I took a year sabbatical and I told them, I said, well, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to hit it really hard and, and do this. And, and, um, the only way I won't be back is if I meet a man, because I don't know how to pay for stuff. Otherwise, um, if I meet someone, going in private practice, you don't, you don't start like, I, yeah. I, I didn't want to go. You start out slow, you know, the money is not there and it's building it mm-hmm. up. And so I, um, it might've looked like I went and found a man, but I didn't. It was that year. Cause that was January. I started in January. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that next November, Jack and I started dating. Um, we went to the same church and then in February we got married. So I, in January, I turned down that sabbatical because I knew we were getting married ah. and, and I don't use that as an example to only date three, three months, but I was praying God, you know, I uh-huh. pick wrong men, send uh-huh. a man to me. That's godly that, you know, has, I set a specific amount that he makes this much money uh-huh. and that, um, <laughs> that, that when he hugs me, I know he's hugging me. Mm, and, and our first date, Jack wow. told me that I have something to tell you. I'm not going to tell you right now, but I need you to know I have something to tell you. So you don't think I'm making up later on. And I knew exactly what it was. And God had told him the lady you're going to marry is at your church right now. And it was the first time I visited there. So God's yes, God's hands been in it and guided that. And then like going to school and then Mary Jack, I finished that, you know, so started in Mm -hmm. January, 99, seeing clients and then, That is awesome. That's an awesome story. I, I love the way so often we look for that, you know, that we look for that loud voice and we look for that very distinctive, you know, way of knowing that God is directing our path. But so often he does it through a series of open and shut doors and just the way, you know, that he sort of pushes us along and we don't even realize it. And finally, you know, we, we realize that his hand was in it all along. Right. Yeah. Well, and then working at, um, I went to work, I was at working at Samaritan Counseling Center. So Samaritan by name, you know, it's Christian. Uh-huh. Well, then I was hitting these roadblocks as far as getting into a PhD program because they don't want Christians. I mean, it's just they, yeah. it, it's the idea that they're, they're that, that we're bigoted, that we're close-minded, uh-huh. uh, that we reject people. Mm-hmm. And um, I had, I did get into Michigan State, but it was, I was working at Samaritan Counseling Center at and I found out that our, uh, the, the head of our board was worked at Michigan State and that he was the dean of students. Oh. 
which did I didn't even know what that meant. But I saw him there and I said, hey, you know, I'm applying. I'm trying to get into this program. Mm -hmm. I'm running into a lot of roadblocks. I'm getting shut down. I had gone to one interview um, where they only interviewed 20 people out of probably 200. And, and, and yet they asked me at the interview, why don't you go to a Christian university? You know, it was just, I, when I say roadblocks, it truly was roadblocks. And, mm -hmm. and so I had asked him, hey, if there's anything you can do for me. And he's like, well, send me all your stuff. So I sent it to him. And the day, and so I got the interview for Counseling Psych. And, and when I went in, my direct interview was with him. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I, there, there's just so much stuff. Of That's going, for order. has been all over this. Absolutely. And, and it was like, like, I could just be me. He knew me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He, he just, he had the one, he'd been the one that interviewed me when I came to work at Samaritan. So. That is and, awesome. And I understand as far as not, not focusing on standards that, but I had a, my, my supervisor at Samaritan was trying to encourage me to, he's like, well, just wear a pantsuit. Just, you know. Just do this, like dumb it down. Don't look so Christian. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not doing that. All right, I'm coming but, as but me. The way that you know that just worked out, and then and then doing that program and. All right, that's awesome now. So, so you actually have your own practice now. What did you? Twenty years. Well, I've been doing. Pri I mean, it counts as uh, even though I would. Uh, most of the time when you get a group of people it, it your contract okay. you know so be, so you mm -hmm. are self-employed now mm -hmm. i i am actually in my own office space now with, i share it with samantha my oldest daughter is a, a master's level counselor and so she and i have our own office and it's her and i and that's great so it, it was nice i would shift all the kids she primarily sees children and um with her being diabetic, she has connected with a lot of endocrinologists or some, several of them um, in this area. And they send a lot of uh, their, of the diabetic teenagers that are struggling and kids to her. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And so, but she does that. And so I had gotten out of seeing kids. I'm like, yes, I'm getting too old. <laughs> oh, that's really... Look that's at that. That's with a great. With the pandemic. Mm-hmm. About 25% of my caseload is now teenagers. It's now teenagers. Ah, so I had to go me, back to it. That leads me to the next question. And so, yeah, so how has COVID affected your practice and what you do? And in, in that, Janet, um, you clarified that you're a counseling psychologist, not a clinical psychologist. Uh -huh. so in that, can you explain us the difference between a counseling psychologist? I've never heard of that before, to be quite honest, and a clinical psychologist. And then how has COVID affected your practice? I don't even know if they have PhDs in counseling psych or even mm -hmm. masters in counseling psych anymore. Um, okay, so we have psychiatrists and psychologists. Psychiatrists are medical doctors. They go to med school and then they specialize in, and basically they write scripts. Okay, okay so they provide counseling to do that. They're medical doctors. So then you have psychologists. Well, psychologists are broken up in many different areas. So you could have clinical counseling, rehab, school, in those areas, well, counseling, because counseling and clinical are so close, mm -hmm. I, I do think counseling has probably disappeared. I know down here, they'd never heard of it. <laughs> and that's where, when I told you I, I'm licensed as a clinical psychologist, because mm -hmm. they don't know what a counseling psych is. Mm -hmm. but, but what it really means is um, a lot of people that, I think most that have a clinical or a clinical psychologist, they do an undergrad and then they do five years of a PhD. 
they will focus, um, I believe, more on, you know, the workings of the body, the brain, but a huge difference. And well, and then counseling psych, what we do is we go get a master's degree, which is two years usually, and then five years. So we have two extra years. We focus more on what's going right instead of, um, you know, doing the diagnosis and what's wrong. Right. So it's like, oh, you have depression. It's like, okay, I want to work on strengths and that. But but all that has blurred. There, okay. There's probably no place that that they could work that I couldn't work, that a clinical site. When I did my internship, there were five of us. Three of us were counseling site, two were clinical. We all were doing the same thing. Yeah. We we're all at the same, you know, site. Mm-hmm. So there there isn't much difference other than some of the I guess just the philosophy behind it and the idea of, well, how do I do this? But, but I don't even, my experience with clinical psych is, is they're not that clinical. I mean, they're not just looking at what's uh-huh. wrong. They, they are. So there's not a whole lot of difference there. And I forgot what your other question was. <laughs> so how is COVID affecting your practice? You mentioned a lot oh, of yeah. teachers um, right now. How, how has that impacted things? And also how does your faith intersect with that? Cause that you mentioned that you are a psychologist but you're also a person of faith obviously. So that. Right. Based on how you care for people. Well, I've, I've started doing a lot of Zoom meetings. Um, <laughs> a lot of initially there, there was a, a, a dip as far as the my practice um, because people weren't coming in. And then as soon as I emailed them all and said, we can do virtual. I can do FaceTime, Skype. Oh, yeah. or zoom mm-hmm. well then boom uh, it, it, i have been so busy um i feel for people because i'm turning away i could turn away 10 to 20 people a week that oh, are trying to get in and, and i know that they're they're facing the same thing and, and in austin we have we have tons of counselors oh yeah so, so you, that because people you can't feel like that back. increase janet excuse me, you feel like the increase is because of covid um yes Part of it is because um, insurance companies said, we'll cover your copay if you're stressed. Mm-hmm. Well, that alone helped. Or we'll give you additional EAP sessions, um, employee assistance program, yes. where they there's no copay and, and it doesn't hit your deductible. Mm-hmm. And so the insurance companies really stepped up that way and said, you can go and we'll pay for it. Okay. So but, but then they can't find anybody to see. Uh-huh. Now, I've always stayed full. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do not have a lapse. <laughs> that's, I, that's I have cut down, you know, over the years because mm-hmm. I've gotten old and tired. Mm-hmm. So I have gone from seeing 12 people a day to 10 people a day. Um, oh, really come back. <laughs> <laughs> that's an improvement. <laughs> hey, I just turned 59. I'm thinking of going down to nine. So come on. <laughs> Whoa, hold, hold the horses. <laughs> Get three more years to hit 62. Uh, you're looking at the home stretch, right? <laughs> oh, I'm telling Samantha, I'm just going to kick them all to, you know. Um, but yes, with, you know, there's a lot of stress with people. Mm-hmm. And it has, in, in my experience, it has hit um, not just teenagers, but mostly high schoolers, right? Yeah. That age group, probably your. 16, 15 to 22, 23 year olds, mm-hmm. the hardest. Huh. And, and we got to think, okay, but why? Well, it's social. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, and, and that's, I, I do not encourage people, I encourage people to do calculated risk. I, I did not feel that I should not send my youngest off to college where she lived in a dorm, where she returned three weeks later with COVID, quarantined and went back to school. So that was my calculated risk. Nobody else in the house got it, uh-huh. but I, I did assume that she would, I figured she, she had a high risk of, of contracting COVID and she did. But at 18, I knew she needed that because it, you know, the isolate that shut off because she wasn't going anywhere at first because she was so afraid for her dad and I that she could catch it, give it to us, that we would die. Right. So, so that fear. And so a lot of young people, you know, they're not interacting with people uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and just being so shut off. And, and you look at when you go to school, <clears throat> there's a whole lot. Most of the stuff as far as going to school for a kid that, that uh, is energizing and, and rewarding and mm-hmm. helps them to have the, that momentum has nothing to do with doing schoolwork. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. other people, right? It's looking good in front of other people. It's sports, it's laughing, it's seeing people dressed funny, it's having weird hairdos, it's the whole experience. fighting, <laughs> right? That's what they, they're like, oh, I like this. And uh, and, 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 and the whole checking out other people, right? The whole oh, dating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's so much involved with that that has been cut off for the high school and, and the, the colleges. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that it, yeah. if they, mm-hmm. they have fear come in and then they're shut off as far as the, the social part of it. Uh, yes, it has been. It has led to more teenagers being depressed and suicidal than typically. Wow. Wow. So, so I got one question. We're going to, this is, it's actually time for us to go. Erica, you can put that question in the next folks to put their questions in because now you're going to get pot shots from everybody in our okay. who's viewing tonight, but, but in that you offer it. So, so some advice, you know, as a counselor, as a mom, as a you know person, like, what would you give what advice could you give to those who are struggling with isolation, depression, you know, all this craziness that's going on right now? Even the, you know, uh, I'm not even gonna say the word, but all that's right. going on in this season. Right. Well, and and across the board, not just during this time, but but any times of high stress. So we can go back to 9/11, whatever. You know, it's mm-hmm. where we look at hardiness and resilience, and that's really looking at you know psychological, spiritual, and 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 physical hardiness and resilience you know how 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 resilient am i can i can i snap back doesn't mean that you don't endure it Mm -hmm. but but can i bounce back can i adapt well to the adversity that's that to change Mm -hmm. you know can i adapt to change and and that hardiness a lot of that hardiness comes from uh and and people can google this and look up look up the three c's or just Google hardiness, but the three C's of psychological well-being, and you come up with commitment. Commitment leads to our values. What are our deep values? What are we holding on to? Because those don't change. So, mm-hmm. so if I'm a person that believes in honesty and dignity, and I have a huge faith and believe in God, that that doesn't change. If that's my core value, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what comes at me. That doesn't change, right? Mm-hmm. And so we hold on to that, and, and it's that commitment that 
you know, that, that we can invoke, that we can pull from it, and it doesn't matter what's happened to us. And so we have to get back. If you find that that's slipping, get back to that. Go back to your core values. Mm-hmm. What 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 it, it at the bottom line? I, I I probably shouldn't say this, but initially I was like watching so many different sermons on Sundays. I thought that was so cool. I would speed sermon because you know most of them were taped, and I could go, oh yeah, I got that, and I could move forward, and, <laughs> uh-huh. and I could do a lot of sermons in a short period of time. So that was really cool. But so many of were, it's so horrible and it's so awful. And I know everything's so bad. And I'm like, I don't want to hear this. Mm-hmm. It, it's really, you got to keep in perspective. Mm-hmm. There, there's nobody breaking in my house with a machete and hacking me up. Yeah. There's uh-huh. not, I mean, there's just, it's perspective. Uh-huh. And even, right. it, and, and I, 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 I'm not blasting Trump. Trump is the one that publicly like, it's a war. It's mm-hmm. not a war. Yeah, you know, it's like, because that just pulls people down. Mm-hmm. And if we keep telling people, this is so horrible, this is so awful, what's that going to do? How's that do as far as, as their hardiness and resilience? Mm-hmm. And so it's looking at, you know, what are my core values? How do I hold to those? How much do I see? What, do I focus on what I can control or am I so focused on what I can't control? Mm-hmm. I have to hold on to what I can control. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and if I go with that, I can tell you, my husband will tell you, there's some Saturdays, I'm going crazy. I'm used to being busy. When when mm-hmm. we met and he wanted to marry me, I said, okay, I have two free weekends. You can have February the 12th, or you can have, I had a one in July open. I'm a busy person. I <laughs> like being involved. And that's oh, how yeah. I live my life. Oh, Shutting yeah. me down, it's been hard. Uh-huh. As far as adapting, but it doesn't mean I haven't adapted. Right. 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 It's that resilience and that what can I control? What can't I control? And then it's, can I see this as a challenge? Mm. Not as a cat- catastrophe. If we focus on the catastrophe and I understand death, I have a client that came back because he lost his grandfather, two uncles and his dad all within six weeks to COVID. Ooh. You know, so, mm-hmm. so I'm not saying that it's not a, there, there's not a huge impact on some people. I'm not not downplaying that but can we see it as a challenge what do i do mm-hmm. how do i stay encouraged how do i keep keep doing this and going forward and how much am i trusting god in this mm-hmm. he hasn't mm-hmm. left us no he has not that's and right I still need to shine that light not be going oh you know i don't you know it's like i don't have to challenge i don't have to be challenged to keep maintain my hope i have hope i haven't lost hope yeah, through all seasons, right? Absolutely. Exactly. And it's and you're like, talking, and I'm sure our question thing is blowing up right now right? as you're talking. Right? I'm like, I, Erica, I'll even ask this question. Go ahead, Jan. Challenge, and then you have connection. The connection is the last C that's not usually on there, but and what was that called again? The three C's of of hardiness or of hardiness. psychological hardiness or psychological well being. It'll come up for all those. It'll come up. Okay, I, I want to capture that. All right, you guys look that up. All right, Erica uh, and Caleb, whoever's giving me questions right here. All right, right so I have a question that says, uh, how is, oh, hold on. Um, what are some strategies for families to maintain mental health during this crazy virtual and quarantine world we are living in? Find fun things to do. Oh. I know you guys live in, like, it's there's a lot of people here, but you guys get a lot of people there too. Yes, we do. But are but are there places you can go where there's nobody? Can you find a park? Can you drive out? Are there fields? 
Like, get out of your house. Breathe more different air. Don't keep looking at the same thing. So, so go for drives. But, but look at going for walks is a great thing. Mm-hmm. You know, even if there's people out. We've had some stray dogs, though. Smith had to call me to come get her because there was a Rottweiler that, that squared off with her and Carter. Oh, no. That's scary. <laughs> Jack and I went flying down the road to get her. <laughs> Go for walks. Like, like, be creative. Doing puzzles is cool. It's, and when I said earlier that simple life, it's like, okay, slow it down. Mm-hmm. It's just okay. It's okay if we're sitting here doing a puzzle for three hours. And stop thinking you're wasting time. Time is a construct for man, not, it, it, it's to help us. It's not for, it's not to control us. But so many people are like, oh, I just wasted so much time. How was it wasted? Uh-huh. It's not, yeah. it's the attitude with it. And so as a family, it's like, play games. If, if I turned my camera right now, you would see this whole dining room table is full of games because they used to be upstairs and they're all down here. Because we play games a lot, almost every night. Uh-huh. We we have we've done movie night with the two grands. We'll just sit and watch these old movies that they've never seen. We've seen Home Alone. That was you know they love that. And but just so many that would I watch them? No, I don't care about those. But but doing that or 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 painting mm. and and puzzles and but but get out of your your house. It, you don't have to be around other people. Right, right. Yeah, but I think that's important. Do that, but it's perspective. Yeah, yeah. When we were busy, you know, when we had church and we had all these different things that we were running, we're thinking, man, I wish I had a break or I wish I had, you know, the opportunity for things to slow down. And now we have that opportunity and it's like, oh, I want to be running again. And so, yeah, perspective and taking advantage of this season. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and read. Yeah, a lot of it is also just due to our our American habit of that, whatever we're doing, it has to be contributing like to my economic well-being or something like that. But of course that you can do many things beyond that, that are not only enjoyable for yourself, but also productive. I know myself, I've been trying to read more about the things academically that I've found interesting for my last semester. I've been trying to practice the piano more. None of it is making me a cent of money, but, uh, and I wish I had something like that, but uh, I I can still be productive. I can still get something out of this time. You're investing in yourself. You're digging your own well. There we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we did. We put some little baskets together because BBS was canceled. And so we always, Bible quizzing being we, always do a, a store there. And so we had all this stuff. So we put all these little bags, baskets together. Mm-hmm. We took the grandkids and and, and we found out addresses of, of a lot of kids in our church. And then they would run up, put it on their doorstep, knock and run and get in the car. And we drive away real fast. And my <laughs> grandkids loved it. And those That's kids fun. got wow, we got this basket full of just trinkets, but still it was like, who did this? It just, it's being creative. Charitable ding dong bits. That's what yeah. I'm trying to think of. Okay. Where it's nice things, right? <laughs> what else we got, Erica? So this is a question is from Sister Bernice and she said, well, hello, my old time quiz coach partner. <laughs> Do you feel born again saints hide their emotions more than others since we are sometimes labeled as always having it all together? Hmm. I have no idea. Are you guys hiding it? I'm not hiding it. 
because I, I truly am not in a panic. Mm -hmm. So I would, I don't know. Erica, well, I guess you can't qualify that question, but you know, I don't know whether Bernie's meant during this particular time or just in general. Um, but anyway. and I know I think I, it kind of means that in general because mm. I guess um, I guess people perceive Christians as having everything together that we don't have emotions, maybe because we're mm -hmm. always supposed to be a certain way. I have a certain uh, persona about ourselves. Like I guess. We're so are they are are Christians hiding it because of their faith in God or or to maintain that? Again, it comes back to what's what is the perception? I, I can't tell you that. I mean, when when my dad called and said that that um, a worker at where he lives had COVID, mm -hmm. I, I cried a little when I got off the phone. Because I thought I might lose my dad yeah. and, and my stepmom. And, and that's sad. Absolutely. So I don't know if we hide it. Um, I don't know that we need to hide it. Like we can have emotion. It's more if you get to the place of hopelessness. Right. I, I, that would make me sad if people are there. It, it, like I said, there's deaths. There, there are people that are grieving. There are people that are having losses. Mm -hmm. But we, but we maintain hope through that. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm that trust in God, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that's part of our witness is being real, you know, and not, not putting on something. Right. You know, just, just be real. People people want something they can relate to. That, that That's a connection point. And, well, um, and people that are, you know, physically, we know that if they get COVID, physically, it, it could take their life more so than if they're you know fit there are fit mm -hmm. people that it can too but that's where if you have that physical hardiness that's and that's mm -hmm. it's a little different i have a friend whose husband's been battling cancer three and a half years so i don't see her uh -huh. right. you know right. okay any other questions in the queue um yes uh how can we build resilience? Um, this is from Sister Ruth. She says, I feel that certain temperaments are better than others. Well, and it's not really a personality trait. It really is looking at, you know, can you challenge some of the ideas that you have? And it's not just being, you know, Pollyanna where everything's rosy. But if, if I look at it, One example that if you go and read, you know, you will find it'll be like, okay, you're on the Titanic. What do you do? Do you start, do you pitch in and start helping out? Do you sit in the corner and cry? Do you start screaming? What do you do? No, I don't think we're, it's, it, I mean, yes, this is, this is a challenge. It's a huge challenge for us. So I'm building that resentment is, is questioning that attitude of, wait a minute, you know, how do I, how do I increase my focus that it's more on that I, that I do feel connected to people, like work on those people that don't know, guess what this would have been like if it was in the sixties or the seventies. Mm -hmm. Now my grandsons tease me that I grew up where there was no cars. 
but he actually believed that. Like, no, but we did not have computers, right? We didn't have cell phones. Mm -hmm. This would be really hard, but we have technology. Oh, yeah. I can call and talk to my dad anytime I want. Yeah, we're on Zoom. Right. And so maintain the connection. We played a game with last Saturday online. It was Sarah, who was in Missouri, Megan, my niece, who's in California, my sister and her husband, who are in South Austin, me and Samantha, who are in North Austin. And we played online. And it was fun. We played a game for a couple of hours. It was this code names game. <laughs> so it's, it's how do you change? Just, but we've played categories that way. We've played other games. Yeah. So it's an amazing time we live in. Don't, don't let go of people. Okay. Now, the big thing is, as adults, our friends, and, and even, you know, young adults, friends are friends of convenience. It's who I see, right? I work with them. I see them at church. Mm -hmm. I'm in this committee. We do Bible quizzing together. And yes, Bernice, I miss you. And it's like that kind of thing. And, and so we don't have friends of convenience right now because we're not going anywhere. We're not mm -hmm. doing those things. So what we have to do is actually put effort into it. And that's a little harder because we're not having those friends of convenience. So those, those convenient connections. Mm -hmm. That's a good way of putting that. That's what we got. Caleb, you got anything up there? Yeah. I have, I have two. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'll say this and then you can go ahead. I, I have found myself in this season uh, i hate that word because it's so overused like in this season um in this time these unprecedented times i found myself oftentimes like oh man i miss this person i it's so sad that i don't get to see this person who i would see at quizzing or church and then i just have to stop and remind myself you have instagram you have instant messaging you have email you have all of these things which you can easily send out a message ask if they want to facetime i i know a couple weekends ago we, my, my family FaceTimed a, um, a friend out in California and we played sorry because I set up the board in our house, set the camera so they could see it and we played sorry. And it, it's just that simple. And so, yeah, I guess that in much in relation to what she was saying, friends of convenience, we, ha we might have to set up some friends of intentionality on our part right. as far as that you, you make a dedication to that. I'm going to set time aside and put effort maintaining and growing this relationship we've been like playing yeah taboo and cranium and all those you could play it you just have to no, get i love taboo it. that's my games <laughs> right so you have your group there and you have group here and 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 not everybody there's on the same team because you got to watch them right so you're on but you know they're you're crossing over oh, but, yeah. but another part of you know as far as looking at it is what am i doing to stay healthy. Am, am I eating a lot of carbs? A lot of people are doing well. They're starting to cook at home. I am not one of them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like getting in the vegetables and doing all that. <laughs> healthy eating, going for yeah. walk, uh -huh. working out. We have time to do it. So taking care of this physical body. Yeah. I heard initially that, you know, domestic violence was on an increase. People uh -huh. were drinking more. I have not run into that personally. And I, and I haven't really seen it coming through like psychological websites and stuff. So I don't know if that's true. I have not mm -hmm. seen that mm -hmm. of people mm -hmm. being cooped up. And I, so I don't know if that yeah, was I had heard that earlier too in this whole deal. Yeah. yeah. But do you still hear it? Like, did it just go away? <laughs> you think it'd be worse now, right? 
Right. Right. Any more, Erica? Yeah, I have a couple I'm more. Um, Go ahead. How has COVID affected family dynamics and how would you recommend, recommend people deal with these changes? Do we have a couple more hours? <laughs> <laughs> okay, affected family dynamics. It really depends on the family, right? As far as connection. Um, like Caleb's in a, in a family with a whole bunch of kids that are still at home that aren't, aren't little, they're teenagers and, and 20s. Um, if, if you have parents, like I really miss seeing my dad. Mm -hmm. I, my big concern is my dad could pass before I see him again. So that affects me. Like I want to see him. So, you know, I can call. Mm -hmm. um, now for my grandkids who live with me, they're not separated from their grandparents. Grandpa's right there in his chair every morning. You know, it's, it's so it depends on the family. Mm -hmm. For some, it's hard because especially with health issues, um, when you have that separation, not seeing someone, not holding them. I, I, I would not do well if, if Samantha and my grandkids live somewhere else. I mean, I would greatly miss them. So there's so many different components that it's hard to really say how has it affected them. Um, I have a good friend who's a widow and she comes over every weekend and she has, has adult kids. One's in Chicago. She went up there at Christmas, but it's hard on, uh, you know, she's, oh. she lives alone, but she has connected with us. So she just comes over and, and hangs out with us most, most weekends. So finding that if, if you're isolated, finding someone else that's isolated and just right. doing something simple together, but um having husbands and wives around each other hopefully they're getting to know each other again <laughs> having your kids home hope you're getting to know your kids hope you like each other because we we've been so busy that mm -hmm. we, we don't spend a whole lot of time together but now we do yeah so it's figuring even those dynamics out of of having your own space but being around each other and absolutely Absolutely. I was telling somebody I've been married 17 years and this has been the best year, really has been the best year, which is, which you would think would be unusual, but, but yeah, it's been great actually. Right. Any other yeah. Great? If you don't yeah. like each other, that could be rough. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, what effects do you, have you seen the pandemic having on folks of different ages, uh, specifically affecting elders not sick with COVID? Mm. It, again, it comes back. I have some that um, they're they're doing really well. They're they used to being alone. They have things that that you know they hear hear about that um, they're going strong. Others, it, it, I don't think. I think when every age group, it really comes back to that that psychological, spiritual, and, and physical hardiness, resilience, strength. Um, that I don't know that differs across age. And so your older people, there's some are doing really good and, and some are really lonely. Yeah. Right, here, here's a question, I guess, because we keep talking about all these dynamics and it's even in the very definition of the word dynamic. It means that it's different. It means that it changes from instance to instance. What are some, some principles, I guess, of mindset, attitude, 
that you can that anybody from any age group, any situation, any anything can use to you know give themselves a pick me up, so to speak. I think one thing that's important is not waiting for this to get over. I like the song, This is the Day that the Lord has made. I would rejoice me glad in it. I would be glad in this day. This day. Not after COVID's over. Not tomorrow. This day. This day is equally as important. It, and it has benefit. It has value. W what am I going to do with this day? How do I, you know, and again, it comes back to that perspective. But, but if you allow your minds, we got to take control of our minds. Any of us can remember um, all the negative things that have happened to us in life because we're more prone to do that, mm -hmm. right? We're, we're, we dwell on, oh, I remember when I said that. I was just telling someone the other day, when I came and did a presentation, I said, I misspoke a word. I knew I misspoke it. I knew I said it wrong. Even later, my dad said, oh, it's pronounced this way. I knew after I said it, it was wrong. <laughs> and I said, it was facade. And I said it as fascade. And I'm like, I still remember that. I know it was that many years ago, but I'm going to remember that. I'm not going to remember all the words I said right, but our brains do that. We remember yep. the negative. So what we have to do is be very intentional mm -hmm. about not going to the negative by going, this is, the, this is a great day. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do with it? I loved it when we got snow. Everybody was having snowball fights, right? Or they were all building snowmen. We don't get snow. Uh -huh. But it's like taking that opportunity. Go fishing. You know, go go do something you've never done before, but but don't look at it as I'm I'm waiting. I'm just sitting here waiting for this to get over. I hate this. You know, it's like, no, this is a good day. And and I'm gonna do what I can with this good day. The yeah. the language you're using kind of makes me think of the parable of the three servants who were given the different amounts to work with while the master was away. And while the two servants, um, the one was given a greater amount, the one was given a smaller amount, they both went and did something with it while the one just buried it in the ground and did nothing with it. And he was the one who failed, not because he had the least amount, but because he did nothing with it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that comes back, to, you know, with, with attitude. Like if people haven't read the Bible through, take the opportunity to read the Bible through. I would suggest not sitting and watching TV for 10 to 12 hours. Because you do your work and then it's like, oh, what am I going to do? Yeah. And, and I think people were really energetic at first and got a lot of projects done, including me. <laughs> we put a new fence up. We cleaned out the garage. Uh, I don't want to work. I don't want to work when I'm not working. It's like, come on. But it, 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 it's some separation at home. Because with people working at home, they need to separate work. It, it's There's oh, yeah. got to be a time you start and a time you stop. I, I just encouraged um, a college student to do the same with her classes because she has no motivation. You know, she, it's, she's just like, ugh, and she's not seeing hardly anybody. She has one roommate, but she has an older mom. And so in order to see her mom, she they don't and they don't want her around people. And so I said, you know, what you want to do is, is put school as a work day. Get up. You know, if you want to push it till nine or nine thirty, do that. But if you're normally getting up at eight, get up at eight every day mm -hmm. and work eight to five awesome. on schoolwork Monday through yeah. Friday and the evenings are yours. Do something different so that it's not all the time. Now, we know college students. Yeah, it's a 24 seven kind of thing. So put in perspective, but that's what people need to do with work. So they're not just working all the time because mm -hmm. they're working from home and they can. Yeah. 
and, and employers know that and they can text email times and <laughs> oh yeah in perspective i can attest it it's, it's very easy to let it all consume you it's, it's just convenient it's just right at your fingertips well and i think we've gotten really bad about letting other people entertain us and fill our time and mm you know, build our schedule for us. And I'm all for that. Like we have church and we have this, we have that, we have soccer, we have Girl Scouts, Boy Scout. I know it's all this and we run and run and, and right now it's not. And we're going, I don't know what to do. How do I make my own schedule? And so I think we're learning. Absolutely. Uh -huh. and, and But you take that as a challenge to learn, not like this is horrible, it's awful, I don't know what to do. Okay, well, be creative, Google it. <laughs> We have the internet. <laughs> yes, you know your I, brother. I, your brother likes I'm to say not, that. I'm right Google at the it. end of the baby boomer, but I can still say Google it. Google Go ahead, Caleb. <laughs> what are you supposed to say back? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And yeah, Steve is the king of Google it. He says that too, uh, even about biblical stuff, which is kind of funny. Like, just Google it. There's so much at our fingertips right now. That's true. Right. It really, it really is so perplexing when. <laughs> When even a younger member of the family, like Cassandra, will come to me about, what is this thing? Or how do you do that? Sorry, Cassandra, for calling you out on the public broadcast. But, and I'll just be like, you, you have an entire internet browser. You have millions of resources at your fingertips like that. Don't, oh, don't, yeah. don't ask okay. dumb old me. <laughs> All right. So we're coming up on the 8 o'clock hour. Erica, are there any questions that, are, that we haven't covered already in, in our queue? No, I think she, she answered them just by talking. So, well, that's all right. That's <laughs> like talking, <laughs> but it, it's like watch your thinking to engage it. We, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go out and eat dirt. Like, don't let your brain be just in the mud. Like, come on, watch what you are thinking and where you're letting those thoughts go, and and maintain that hopefulness and and. This is a huge experience for us to learn from, mm -hmm. just to learn about ourselves and, and our family. And poor Jack, he's had to play so many games. He hates games. <laughs> I said, you knew me when you married me. Come on, play games with me. Come on, play. <laughs> I don't know Uncle Jack very well, but I do know him enough to know that if you're playing that many board games, yeah, he's, he's probably fed up with games by this point. Well, yeah. I've lowered the get this. The, we're playing like Mexican train. We're not, it's not real intense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, Janet, thank you so much for sharing this hour with us tonight. It's been great talking with you and seeing you. Yes, uh, you too. Thanks for having me. It's been quite a while. And uh, thank you all for joining us tonight. Um, don't forget to go to newarkubc.info, uh, go to our gathering hub. You can view old messages. You can uh, also go to our Kids Hub where you can find out information about how to join our KBN and our youth uh, groups that meet on the weekends, uh, prayer requests, everything you need is at that one place, newarkupc.info. God bless you all and we will see you again. What is tonight? This is Friday. We'll see you again tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Have a good night.